What's up, everybody? Staying sharp. Back at it again. It's been a little bit, but we're back on the airwaves for one final show to close out 2020. Uh, if you forgot who we were, Brian Mermelstein, Noah Hammerman. Noah, it's been a little bit, but I'm really excited to get back into the podcasting game. Oh, absolutely. We've been sitting around on our asses just either grinding out work or doing whatever else, but I think... Uh... I think it's really a, a good time to restart and rehash this whole podcast thing. I'm very excited. Uh, it's it's awesome. So for those of you keeping track at home, um, this podcast was started in April uh, as to how we were staying sharp during the global pandemic. I don't know if you heard it's going on still. People are still walking around wearing masks. Uh, December 29th, it's still applicable. Applicable? Applicable? Applicable, right? right? Yeah, still applicable. So we're going to keep this thing rolling. Uh, figured one last episode in 2020 to kind of seal the deal. And then um, we're just going to go full speed ahead into 2021, hopefully bring some exciting new guests, um, maybe spread our wings a little bit more. Uh, you know, we haven't really decided if it's going to be like a weekly thing, a biweekly thing, or really what the frequency or layout's going to be. But um, definitely look forward to more content coming in 21. Um, and I'm super excited. So today's interview, we have none other than Sam Lamone, uh, content creator and videographer for Pure Sweat Basketball and NBA Skills Coach Drew Hanlon, Drew and Sam, uh, two mentors and friends of mine. Uh, and I'm excited to hear Sam tell his story and also, you know, how he's dealt with this once in a lifetime pandemic. So without further ado, Let's get to our conversation with Sam Lamone. All right, so we are pleased to be joined by Sam Lamone, a content creator, videographer for Pure Sweat Basketball. Sam, thanks for taking the time to do this with us. Yes, sir, man. You are my guy. I had to come on the show and, uh, uh, you know, give you a little shout out and you know, just be a part of what you're trying to do. Appreciate that. So, Sam, just, just to start off, to give the viewers a little bit of a background, give, um, you know, if you were in an elevator introducing yourself, you know, how would you, how would you say what you do, what you've been doing for all these years? Man, it's, it's honestly so tough to explain like what I do, because I mean, you've, you've been out there to LA and, and kind of seen what I do, but um, I do just a bunch of stuff, content creation, uh, videography, you know, some photos here and there, but um, I just like to view myself as a content creator. You know, it's funny because I was saying that five years ago and people were, just always confused about it you know they're like what what the hell is a content creator and then nowadays it's almost like normal it's normalcy so uh, i would just say i'm a content creator and most people know what that is now because on instagram you're just creating content so it's kind of became like a normal the norm of conversation now when you talk about instagram content 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 but yeah i would just kind of say i was a, i'm a content creator one of the one of the original content creators, I'd say. Um, Thank big, you, my big, God. <laughs> big in the basketball world, big on yeah. the IG, but uh, definitely one of the pioneers. He's been at it for a while. So, Sam, the the premise of this podcast when we started it was it's called Staying Sharp, and it's basically it was a way for us to talk to creatives in the industry about how they were staying sharp during quarantine. Um, right. As you said in the intro, which you didn't hear, but. Um, it's still, you know, we're still in a COVID world. We're still, everything is weird. So part of this conversation is going to be, you know, like how your role has changed and what you've been doing and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But before yeah. we get into that, I really would love to, you know, kind of maybe, you know, not super in depth, but at least get a glimpse of your story and how you made it to here um, to the role you have. Because I know, I mean, you and I've spent a lot of time together um, and I've heard some of your, you know, your really cool stories, whether it be, you know, with Jason or Brad or, you know, getting your first gig at um, the Sports Academy or what is it, M3? Uh, P3. 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 I was close. Um, yeah. But yeah, so if <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't mind just giving a little a little background, just kind of kind of your journey to doing content and then we can hop into the to the now. For sure. Yeah. I mean, um you've heard my story, you know, and, uh, obviously it's a very emotional story. I've gone through a lot of shit, <laughs> uh, part of my language, but, uh, usually the, 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 the harder the story, the, the better the story, you know what I mean? So I literally 
loved watching Kobe Bryant play basketball at a young age. I started watching when I was like 10 years old, just watched basketball religiously. And it was just weird. I always see those replay, those angles on TV where you see the replay coming at you. Like you felt like you were there, you know? So, you know, Kobe kind of just led me to having a motivation, so to speak, to start. It was weird. Like you could, you could download clips like on different forums and download replays. And I just started like, I downloaded those clips because I wanted to see like the highlights, the replays. And then I discovered Windows Movie Maker on like a Dell Windows computer. And I mean, the rest is history. I, I just started going on Windows Movie Maker and it just, it just, it just kind of intertwined like me being an editor. So Kobe, led me to my passion of being an editor for a lot of years, for multiple years. And I created about 14 different videos on YouTube and I gained like a little good following on it. And I was creating content and I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I just, I was just doing it as a, as a young kid, 12 years old, 13 years old, and just kind of finding my passion. And, you know, luckily, you know, Kobe was able to inspire me to really delve deep in my craft and, that just carried me throughout my, like a silent passion that I had. And I was always serious about soccer. I was very motivated. So I kind of took the whole mama mentality towards soccer. And I, I played as a division one soccer player, eventually got hurt. And I had a lot of a multiple, multitude of things happen to me, which led to a career ending injury for soccer. And it led me to coming back home to where I grew up in Santa Barbara. And I got demoted from my summer job to a janitor. So I had to clean toilets, coming off, losing soccer, getting, I got kicked out of school. I could go on about that, but just a multitude of things happened to me and I became a janitor. So from being a very motivational, like really trying to play division one soccer to reverting back to being a janitor was, is quite the, it's quite the 180, you know what I mean? And I'm just kind of breezing by all this stuff because a lot of that stuff is emotional. And as you know, me and you have talked about it and I could literally talk about it for two hours, you know? And yeah, just a bunch of other things happened from then on. And, and unfortunately, you know, with every, you know, there's a lot of things that happen and that keep happening bad. And unfortunately for a span of like a, a year, uh, it just, things just kept happening to me over and over again. And I eventually had a redemption moment where I was like, you know what? I need to figure out what I'm going to do in life. And I got a shot at P3 and I bought my own camera and I met Drew a year later. So, I mean, in between there, there's a whole bunch of stuff, but I would, I, I literally want to just focus on the now you know, and uh, be working at P3 for two years, making no money, creating my own internship, pro basically, and then meeting Drew for the, the third year, which is, is kind of crazy, but I'm, I'm always respectful of, of my roots of where I came from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, well, during your story, I really had an interest in the part where you said you didn't really know what you were doing. Yeah, because I felt the same way uh, doing graphic design. And I was just doing like edits, you know, just like basic Instagram, like meeting people, connecting through kick. Uh, if you remember that time, that was very odd. Um, message me on kick. Uh, but I think I kind of want to bring into the loop what kept inspiring you um, through this like uncertainty, like, you know, not every design's going to be a banger. Not every video is going to be a banger. Um, right. Not everybody's going to respond great to it, but you're learning as you go. So what what kind of kept you in the game and keeping keeping course uh, with what you were doing? Yeah, so it was a silent passion, right? So it was very silent because I was very serious about soccer. So soccer kept me going and nobody really knew that like all my Kobe Bryant videos on YouTube were kind of blowing up because I didn't know how to tell people like it, it's kind of a weird thing to say to your friends like saying hey like this has over 300,000 hits like 
and like your parents, they don't even know what content is at the time. And back in 2010, 2009, like they're not going to send you to go to film school. Like it wasn't relevant as it is now. So it's so much different. So I didn't have support from my parents urging me on to do content. So I was in a, in a space where it's just like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing it because it makes me happy. It makes me, it makes me feel good at nights where like I have nothing to do. I'm just on the computer. I'm listening to music, find the right track to a right, a good little mix or a video about Kobe that just kept me sane. So I think like how you politely put it, like I didn't know what I was doing, but it's funny. I was working up to what I was meant to be doing in life later on. So that's what I take from it. I take that from it because yeah, I didn't know what I was doing, but secretly I was working every day, my 10,000 hours, like everybody, everybody puts it. And I eventually made it my career. I made it my reality. So that to me, I bring all that back. Like I just, I just measure that in full, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, like Noah said, I think, every content creator nowadays or every video video person or graphic designer, like if people, you know, obviously they find a niche for it, but um, too often, and we'll get into this later, Sam. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll let you, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what you got going on now, but mm -hmm. you know, nobody really has much guidance when they get into it. So it, I, I totally, totally feel that, you know, just like trying to figure it out, trying to find an opportunity, trying to find somewhere where you can go, get good at it and like you mentioned and we can get back into it like you were blessed with the opportunity to meet drew and yes you know right as he was growing you went from being like a you know an unpaid intern at p3 just grinding learning 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 teaching yourself as much as possible to working yeah. with the best basketball trainer on the planet in my humble opinion yeah right yeah so biased opinion biased opinion very very biased opinion <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that. Like, you know, how did you meet Drew? And then talk a little bit about your journey with Pure Sweat over the years. Right, right. I mean, it's funny, but Drew, when I met Drew, he only had 2,000 followers, you know? So it's kind of it's kind of crazy. It's it's a weird thing to think about. Now he has over like 200, 250,000 followers. Um, but yeah, like, I didn't know what I was doing at P3. Like, I had a camera and stuff like that, but... I, I just wanted to work there. I wanted to be around NBA athletes. I just wanted to be around it. And I did that for two years unpaid. And I mean, it was amazing. Like those guys are, became my mentors, my first mentors before Drew, you know? And then when Drew came along, I was like, shit, this is the guy I want to work for. Like he's training Bradley Beal. He's training Jason Tatum, who's a 13 year old um, incoming, a uh, 14 year old incoming freshman to Shaman High School in St. Louis. He's, there's so much, um, overlay with that, with him being the next guy in St. Louis. He had some hype. He was, he was training David Lee at the time, John Jenkins. And then, um, yeah, man, he just had a really good resume at the time. And I was like, this is the guy I want to work for. So I did P3. P3 finally paid me a stipend of $500 a month um, for covering the pre-draft of Zach Levine and Andrew Wiggins. And me and Drew just kind of hit it off and Drew was like, yeah, just, you know, roll with me. I'll take care of you. You know, I'll pay you some money, but I never asked for money. I just worked really hard. I put my head down and I just kind of showed him what I could bring to him. And uh, we had a really good conversation towards the end of pre-draft. And I, and I said, listen, like, I don't care. Like I will, I will move to St. Louis. Like I will work for you for free. Like I, all I need is like $500 to live. Like I was just saying some crazy stuff because that's all I wanted to do. I was just so built on passion. And, um, you know, from that experience, from our success with Zach and Andrew, Andrew Wings went number one and Zach went from number 29th ranked to number 13th in the draft. He got drafted overall at number 13, where he was slated to go even past the first round. So there was a lot of success that happened that draft and there was a lot of noise. I created two pre-draft mixtape videos of Andrew Wiggins and Zach Levine. And they went viral all over the NBA and it helped Drew's name even further. And that was kind of his breakout. And uh, he took me to St. Louis. He hired me. And uh, it's, a, it's much cheaper in St. Louis than living in California. So um, I, I think that that helped initially start the, the relationship because, you know, he could help me out, you know. And um, it just blossomed to a really good relationship. And we just picked up, we started picking up Joel Embiid. 
Uh, obviously, we had Jordan Clarkson on the side. We had Zach Levine. We had Andrew Wiggins. Kelly Uber came to the forefront. And then, I mean, obviously, you can look at our resume, look at our clientele. It's, it's always been growing. Um, but, yeah, it just everything kind of fell into place. And Pure Sweat has really grown to the number one skills training company in, in the, the world almost. And, you know, a lot of people know what the unseen hours are from the worldly standpoint. So it's, that's kind of cool to, to know, to know that the things that we make here in the States, people know what it is around the world. Um, that's what I'm most proud about is the, is the unseen hours series. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, right before we get into the quarantine talk, I do want to touch on a story that you told me, yeah. um, that, you know, so you moved to St. Louis, you talk about having 13 year old phenom Jason Tatum. So yeah kind of talk about like it it's really unusual and drew found a way i don't know how he did it but drew found a way to start with a lot of these guys well i kind of do but he found a way to start with a lot of these guys when they were super young and you know untalented whether it be working out joel at 17 or brad and jason before they were in high school like so you get to st louis jason tatum's in high school what was that like knowing that you have like a diamond in the rough you have an absolute budding superstar and so right. trying to just talk about being able to be there and follow his process and maybe shine a light into the unseen hours you got to spend with him, spend with him before he really reached um, mass fame. Right. No, no, no. That's a great question. So um, listen, Jason was very skilled coming in as a freshman. And I think he was a sophomore when I met him because I moved to St. Louis 2014 and I met him as a sophomore, but there was a lot of hype around his name. He went to Chaminade. He's following in the footsteps of Bradley Beal. He was trained under Drew Hanlon. Drew Hanlon trained Bradley Beal for, for 18 years now, 19 years now, whatever it is. But um, to, to see the bet, because Jason was number one, was the number one ranked high school player his senior year, right? He overtook Harry Giles when Harry Giles got hurt, right? Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. I remember Harry Giles and him being one, one, a two, a two B, but to see Jason develop into the best player in the country as a high schooler, that is something that is invaluable that I cannot even express to you going to every workout at 6am with Drew and Jason and seeing the work that the unseen hours, the hours that people don't see how it takes to be great. And we did the most simplest shit ever. Just one dribble pull-ups. It just re reminiscent of just Kobe workouts, MJ workouts. Like we just did the easiest stuff, making it making it known that he could do that stuff later on as a pro. And obviously now we're here and we're seeing how special he is. But it doesn't surprise me or Drew at all. Maybe how fast it came, I think. But it doesn't surprise us that he is using all these moves. I think it's just how fast he came if that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, now going off of that story, I guess we'll fast forward very quickly. Um, yeah. And so the now slash a couple of months ago slash still happening uh, this pandemic. Right. Um, so I guess my question is this whole show, um, as we explained in the forefront is staying sharp over quarantine. Yes. And what you've been doing to sharpen your skills. So what did you do personally um, to enhance your skills and become a better content creator during this unforeseen break in the action? Okay, well, first off, I think it's been a good and a bad thing, right? <laughs> Too much content. You see good content and bad content. So it's funny because you did you can differentiate between the bad content and the good content and the people who are just trying to get followers. So what I did, I took a step back, right? I wanted to evaluate what I wanted to do since we're all at home, since we're all on our phone, since Zoom is a huge thing now, since mental side is a huge thing. Now we have a bunch of motivational people out there now, you know? So I took a step back. I really want to evaluate what I want to do after COVID is over, after, you know, during quarantine. And yes, your series is about what did I do to stay sharp? Well, I sat back and evaluated what kind of content is out there and what I don't want to do and what I do want to do. So now I just, I just literally um, launched my mentorship program 
and I have a bunch of creatives in there, basketball trainers, even who want, even novices, editors who don't even know how to edit. I'm going to put them into tiers, group them up, make sure everybody grows with each other. Like, it's just an awesome thing that I want to do as a content creator teacher. So I want to, I want to be a teacher because I feel like there's a way to create content and I just want it done right. So I want to, I want to show like the next wave of people, like how to do it right. If that makes sense. So my thing was more about evaluation and taking a step back. It's a, it's a little bit different answer, but yeah, but I've still been making videos and, and perfecting my craft, but that's, that's like, that's like nonstop for me, you know? Um, I hope that answers your question. Absolutely. And it ties directly into our show. And uh, I think, the evaluation portion is very important and sitting back and creating programs, mentorship programs yeah. um, is key. I think what I want to ask you here is during this evaluation, uh, what do you see as good versus bad content? I'm kind of curious too, because I work a lot in the social world and the social right. landscape. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to know, and I'm using I and myself as an example for people right. also listening. Um, mm -hmm and myself, uh, what, what is good versus bad? Um, what do you see that can be improved upon and maybe give some examples? Of course. If you have any. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to give examples cause I think that's a little bit like, um, I will give you how I see good versus bad. Like uh, as you, um, as you said, right. So good content to me is if you could tell within the first five seconds of a video you're watching, that it has some sort of substance, meaning is it driven content? Is it storytelling? And when I mean storytelling, it means are you trying to engage the person to really feel something from this video? That's how I situate good content. Now, if we're looking at a graphic and it's really, it's really tight, it's pretty, and it and it's sick, and it has something from the stats, I'm totally with that. I don't I don't think you can dissociate bad versus good content. But when you see a graphic where it says, oh, Patrick Beverly said this during, about a player, like, you know what I mean? It's, there's a purpose to that. It's, it's just driving certain things, driving people to talk about it, which I get. I understand it completely, right? You have to do in the sports world to, to, to bring engagement. I get. I'm not saying it's bad or good content, but there's a bunch of content creators who do things with the purpose of just gaining clout and i think we are all a detriment to that at, at some point of creating content of, of 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 many content creators because we all want to get more followers we all want to get more engagement we all want our friends to tag people in the videos and comment and stuff like that now i hope this makes sense i'm not saying that i don't want followers i don't want engagement but i do feel like there's a there's a certain way of producing high and quality content um and that's why the unseen hours series is, is just so dear and important to me what we do as a company because we really care about our players i mean i, I tell you this i could post something every night and brian knows this brian no, has knows all my footage he went through all my hard drives and he can attest to this i could post like a kelly Ubre posterized dunk an intern every day in, in my social and gain over 50,000 followers. I could do that every day, but I don't because I respect the people that I work with so much. Because if I start doing that, then the people I show up to work with, they're going to look at me like saying, oh, wow, like, okay, he's, he's doing this because he wants me on the page and I'm gonna get him more followers. Like, I just think there's such a purpose to, doing it the right way now i hope i answered things you can elaborate even further ask any more questions but if that makes sense so moving forward so i like what you said about you know just like trying to weed out the meaningless content it's kind of like it reminds me of drew's new slogan on twitter hashtag no clown drills um, right. <laughs> which i yeah. love because yeah. you know i come across a lot of kids now like in my position that are like, yo, like, can you come film this like workout for me? Or like, yo, like how much for an edit? And whenever I like go to these workouts, you know, it's all clown drills. Cause you know, so much of this world, whether it be in content creation or in player development on any sport, so much of it is like clout driven and like 
you know, trying to differentiate yourself as a trainer and like, you know, just trying to come up with stuff that's not exactly proven, but getting people to buy into it. And it's so crazy because like, you know, me having been out with you and Drew, I kind of sometimes I'm like, you know, they're like, well, you know, what do you think? I'm like, well, would he ever do this in a game? No. Well, then why are we doing it here? Like, so I I think that that kind of complements what you said, you know, like do really just making sure we're putting out meaningful stuff as content creators. Yes. And I, and I know it's hard because like, like you said, like we would all love seeing somebody cross over Ari, shout out, shout out Ari, shout out Ari, <laughs> um, Ari reader, go follow him. But um, it's just, it's like what you said, it's just meaningful. And I know it's not always going to attract the, the, the largest crowd, you know, when I say that, but I, I do want to teach it. I do want, as a content creation teacher, I do want to teach it that way. And um, I have respect for that, you know, and I respect, I respect people grinding and, and trying to get followers and engagement. I understand it. I understand that's what it is. And that's what our world is now. It's all through the phone and it's all content, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, so kind of like, you know, moving forward. So let's talk a little bit more, um, the word bubble was floated around a lot this year. And I know you guys had your little pure sweat bubble um, in the off season. We can call mm-hmm. it like a, a wobble, a fubble, whatever we want to call it. Um, right. You know, a lot of your job and a lot of Drew's job is focused on, you know, off season workouts and preparing for the next season. And that's where, you know, a lot of the videos that go viral on slam bleacher report, you know, all that stuff comes out of the summer workouts where everyone's really grinding and putting in work. Um, But, you know, this season, obviously, along with everything else in this year, was completely messed up. The timelines were completely botched. But you guys figured out a way to make it work and, you know, still make it out there and get workouts in with, you know, most of your NBA clients. So from your perspective, you know, A, talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what that looked like, Uh, you know, who was Mm -hmm. there, what – what was so different and then also you know how it was different from both the content side and a player development side uh from what you've seen in the past six five or six years that you've been uh doing off season right well first off everything that we did from a COVID standpoint measuring i will say this we were 100 percent careful uh we, we routinely tested obviously we were very we wore masks everything was protocol and, and whatnot um but, um, you know, it was a small little group this year. We had uh, um, Jason for a few workouts, Brad for a few workouts, um, Solomon Hill, Myers Leonard. And obviously there was a bunch of players around the NBA in their own bubbles, you know, doing runs and stuff like that in L.A., Miami and stuff like that. But, yeah, it was a small little group this year. It wasn't crazy. We couldn't really get into the unseen hours. And, you know, we had to maintain our distance and. Uh, we didn't have too many people in the gym and we just wanted to keep it respectful. So from that standpoint, it wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't anything exciting. You know, um, we didn't release too many things. Obviously, Jason Tatum went blew up when we released like his little mixtape, offseason mixtape. And he looked obviously phenomenal and stuff like that. But, yeah, it was very low key um, from that standpoint. From the concentration standpoint, for the last five or six years from NBA trainers, I think we can say it's a little bit oversaturated with the content. I think, I mean, if you post any little drill or any little cool thing, that to me is very questionable whether we should even post that or not. I think you would agree, right? Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, from that standpoint, from the NBA content world standpoint, I believe that there is no privacy anymore to what NBA players do in workouts. And, and we love to just keep things in house. Like we're never going to, I mean, you saw, you see Drew's page, like he rarely posts anymore, you know, um, whether it has to be perfection, it has to be a good rep. So we, we want to protect our guys. That's the most important thing. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, even with the COVID thing being more at that, you know, I, I did a lot of work with the rump this year and, you know, with some other runs and it's like, well, you know, we can't post stuff from the runs until the facilities are allowed to open under the restrictions. So like, I think right. that's just, that's just a prime example of, 
you know, people putting out things that shouldn't be put out. And I think that's something that's so right. admirable about Pure Sweat is it's like, well, you're not letting any Joe Schmo in the gym. Right. And also, you know, you're protecting your guys and you're, you know, you're in charge of the content. You're in charge of what people see. It's not an open run. It's not a, like a pro-am tournament that these guys are playing in. Like, you know, it's a very controlled environment. And I think that's something that's so important for guys of that caliber that are, you know, taking their shit seriously and just, yes. just want to grind. But mm-hmm. at the same time, that's not, that's something that we don't see enough of in the creative world. Right. Right. Exactly. hundred percent. And um, we just, we just like to be, I mean, like you hit it on the head and it helps that you were around it. And um, I mean, you had experience too. I mean, remember i mean i was i was pretty tough on you when i when it came to filming you know and i think you started understanding towards the end like um it's just very sensitive you know some some things that we film you know and um i'm just always mindful of the guys first yeah we had had an incident where one of the interns asked you to take photos of him yeah you know that was that was i had to like just shut that down because it's just like come on man like you know yeah, and that that goes back to the to the clout argument and so much of this of this world. And Drew, I mean, I, I know we keep talking about Drew, but like that that trainer that Drew called out on his Twitter from a kid that was in his DMs, like yeah, I, I mean that it, yeah. was that was like unbelievable. But when you looked at the stuff that we were uncovering, it was like it was like a what would you do situation. Yeah, I was just gonna ask um, because I just took a course, and this is gonna get semi complicated um on media law right and it's it's very complicated um and what that means and and now this conversation really has me thinking in depth about what social media is um and what the ethics are surrounding it and you've touched on this and even in your lesson plan um as a teacher you've kind of formulated this idea that we're going to teach these kids good ethics um and smart ethics around your occupation your potential occupation Um, so I want to kind of learn more and touch more on that, um, as you kind of tell us, well, maybe this is too sensitive to release or maybe because right now in COVID, um, for instance, at Syracuse, we couldn't release a lot of things, um, in in practices, especially practices were kind of shut like, Oh, you, you guys can't even go much less do anything about it. We can't show any pictures with guys with masks off. Right. And that's, that's like a new ethic that's forming. Um, what are what are some of those things that you've had um, around your program and uh, and you've had inside of your head this whole time, maybe with the sensitivity and ethics issues? Are we just talking during COVID or just forever long? Generically um, speaking, but also during COVID, because I think it's important to touch on both. Right. You have this really crazy instance of a disease breaking out. Right. But there, you've always had media ethics. You've always yes. had like, you don't share this in a magazine because you don't share it. Um, right, so what correct. does that mean cerebrally thinking like, you know, I'm not trying to force a super difficult question. It's just kind of a thought, right? So what are your thoughts around that and, and sharing too much or sharing just enough? What is that like? No, so I'm going to give you an example. Like, like what, what, um, like if if Jason like you don't know this kid named uh, Ari Reader right, but if we had an NBA player like cross somebody up and looked really bad, like we would not. I'll put it to you this way: if we had an NBA player make a move and like tripped or something or it was really funny, obviously you're not gonna release that, right? You're not gonna post that, right? But let's just say you have a Jason Tatum versus Bradley Beal and they're going one on one. Now, it's some great content, but do we really want to make them look bad? Like if they really fall down, does that make sense? There's some ethics in that. And I know everybody wants to see the one-on-one battle, but we are not, from our standpoint, we're not going to release anything at all, right? I mean, this is a good, this is a good profan thing right here too. We have footage of, of Kobe and Jason working out and we don't release it because out of respect for Kobe and the family and Jason and just everything involved, like we don't know, we don't really want to 
show that to the world, although it would be really amazing, but there's still a lot of respect with that situation. Now, if Jason, you know, wants to show something one day and, and pay tribute, then that's his moment. That's, we were just there to just even document it. You know what I mean? So when we talk about media law and ethics, that might be the best prime example for that. You know, we have footage that is just gold, but we have so much respect that obviously this has been a crazy year considering Kobe and Kobe was my idol. So now if that footage was with in the wrong hands of somebody else, it probably would have been leaked already. You know what I mean? And then me and Drew could have gotten so much publicity out of it. I mean, my God, like, I mean, that right there is ethics and having the discipline to do things the right way. So I think I don't really need to go touch even further. I think that's the perfect example regarding, you know, the class that you're taking, or if I even hit on any sort of um, thing on that. No, absolutely. Like yeah. you hit it right on the head. And I think yeah. that's the difficult part of this field, right? Is that we, we urge like timing is very important, right? Yeah. So if, for example, the game is over, you have to post a final score graphic or you have to say, oh, this happened. All right, right. you know, everybody, oh, quickly. And then I think that's key. And then another thing is what is correct? What is morally right? right. And, uh, and that piece doesn't always file under the everybody's okay with that. We wouldn't be having this conversation if everybody did everything morally right. That's, right. that's, yes. why, this is the, that's why this is a big question um, for you especially. But I guess going into the staying sharp thing um, and then kind of filing down, you've created this program and I'm very eager to hear about it um, yes. to teach, you know, these kids who are eager to learn. Um, yes. So, so let's uh, give me the rundown. I'm curious. Well, okay. So, I mean, obviously there was a huge graphic made by our, our guy, Akshay, you know, so that's, that's my guy. I have we to give him a Akshay. shout out. He's one of the hardest workers ever, one of the most talented workers ever. And uh, I hope I can, I can help him uh you know increase his portfolio one day so um amazing worker amazing guy and uh he helped me out yesterday with that graphic i don't know if you saw it um but it is a community which i want to keep it very tight-knit there's novices in terms of editing if they have no editing skills or there's basketball coaches who want to get into content creation who want to eventually hire a videographer and go that route um i mean shit there's a I've had a, a kid from Spain reach out to me, a kid from Australia reach out to me who have virtually not many followers, but they just want to learn. And I'm open to anything. And then I have a lot of skilled videographers who are really freaking good, you know? So I want to create this whole community where, yes, I am going to be doing the mentoring, but if anything, the mentoring is going to come with providing life sentiments like how to chase your dream how to chase it the right way how to do content the right way yes i'm gonna have some oversight with the editing and stuff like that but a lot of these kids they don't have direction and when to start where to start how to how to even uh, get in with a client or how to develop trust or loyalty with somebody that you want to work for how to work for free a lot of people don't want to work for free but hey that's less than one because you have to work for free because if you don't work for free it won't get you anywhere because you need to prove yourself. You got to prove yourself. You can't just pick up a camera and say, Hey, I want to film NBA players. It doesn't work like that. You got to put in the, the sweat equity and the unseen hours. And this whole community is cool because there's just so many different things I'm going to do. There's about 20 of us and every post that we share, we're going to critique together. And then we're going to reshare that person's post. So we all grow and we all support each other and the chain reaction. So that's just one of the things that I'll reveal to you. I'm not going to reveal everything to you, but I want to change the game when it comes to banding content creators together, because I do think there's a huge niche to that field. And I do think that the content creation world will have a, their own platform of like oh wow this guy created this video this week oh this is the hottest video of the week that this guy so i want it to be a niche 
and who knows it might be in university one day who knows you know but that's just a little insight of just the small community things that I'm doing and I hope to have I hope to even double the size and I hope to even have like people help me with the next year's class you know but I do I did sit back and evaluate what I wanted to do and I'm and I'm striking all my goals down so I'm doing what I said I was going to do so um, I look forward to really kind of put a a stepping stone into the content creation world, which is going to even be better for content creators. I have to touch on it before we do it. Working for free sports media, Twitter. If you're listening to this, get your head out of your ass. You have to work for free in this industry to get a start. So many people online and it irks me every time I see it. They're like, what do you mean? Working for free unpaid internship shouldn't be a thing. Yes, they should. You have to prove yourself. Nobody owes you anything until you can show what you can do. I mean, Noah was in his, freaking bedroom making Steelers graphics for years before anybody, you know, yep. anybody paid him a dime. Like I, I was doing video stuff for free. I worked for you for free. I did LM stuff for free. Like you can't, uh, every, uh, every time I see it on Twitter, it just, uh, it's so frustrating because people think I'm not going to say everyone thinks they're entitled to money, but yeah. it's like, you can't like, to, in order to get opportunity. And I was having a conversation with, a, with an old friend of mine that reached out to me for like, you know, some help, like with, the, you know, their career and, you know, where to go from college. I was like, you have to work for free and you have to go out and seek out opportunity. So Sam, I mean, I'm going to go into, you know, what you see next in your, you know, content creation course, but it's like, you could, you could sign up for Sam's course and learn everything Sam has to know. He could open up, he could tell you everything he's done to get to where he got. But if you're not willing to work for free and go seek out opportunity, all that knowledge is going to be useless. Yep. And a lot of people just can't get it out of their head that that just needs to happen first. And you got to understand that you are not going to make money for two years, maybe three, maybe four. I'm not going to say stretch it to four, but I'm just saying that it may take some time and people just have to understand it's going to take time, but you got to keep going. You got to keep proving, you got to keep proving your loyalty. You got to keep, you got to make it almost known to the person that you want to work for, that they are entitled to you back, that they owe you because of all the work you put in. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit, I think you and I both hit the nail right on the head. I mean, it's like, you have to play AAU ball. You have to play high school ball before you're going to get a college scholarship. Exactly. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same exact sentiment. So we're starting to wind down. It's been an awesome 40 minutes. Still have a couple more, a couple more things to touch on. Yes. Um, So for you, you know, you've been at it for, for a while now, let's say five years from now. Yeah. Where do you see yourself? Where do you see content? Where do you see pure sweat? Like go into the future. Uh, I mean, five years from now, I mean, we'll keep, I mean, God, I mean, Jason's only 23, right? 23, right? So, I mean, I think he'll be the best player in the world and Brad's only 27. So he'll still be one of the top players in the world. So Joel Embiid's only 25, 26, and he'll be the best, one of the best players in the world. I mean, we can keep going. RJ's still young. Kelly's still young. Um, Myers, I mean, I can mention all the Pierce White guys. You've you've seen all the Pierce White guys, and we're we're like a family. So, until these guys' careers are over, we're gonna still be there by their side, supporting and training every summer. And um, I'm looking forward to after basketball career, where me and Drew can really touch people's lives in the content creating world, the business world, the marketing world. That's that's a Drew Gary V Part Two kind of series, you know. So that's gonna be exciting. I can't wait till the, the NBA kind of winds down for us. That's going to be really cool. I think what I want to touch on before I say goodbye, and it's not really a question. Um, yep. It's just, I really do admire uh, the passion that at least all of us have um, to create in sports. And uh, I've, yes, I was telling Brian in a private conversation, I've recently applied to like three jobs because I'm soon living, leaving college Right. And, uh, and I think it's, it's a really niche field. Um, and it's so crazy that you or I never met each other and we yeah. can talk about the same things. We've seen the same things online. 
Yeah, um, so I think that's that's always super cool to come full circle in some of these conversations because Brian's always bringing on the guests. He always gets to bring on the, the big yeah, guns. Before you even finish, please, I, I'm very interested in the media law class you're taking. So regardless of this, just please like reach out to me and I, I want to speak more about that, but I'll let you finish. I'm sorry. You got to oh, tell no, me. I was done, yeah. but absolutely. I'd love to. I'll send you the book now. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. That $100 textbook is going to come in handy, pay it forward. As we wind down, I kind of want to talk about like some of your like dope stories, like maybe like give it like a shine a little, little light. So I'm going to, I'm going to say like, all right, I'll let you go first. Like what's one thing that, I mean, people, you tell, you tell people, but like, what's one thing that like, you know, you were there and afterwards you were like, holy shit, that just happened. And I was here and like something that, you know, you would have never thought would have happened. And you're like, wow, like, well, I'll tell you, okay, I'll, I'll tell you this. When I, since I was a kid, I always wanted to meet Kobe. I've always been filming Kobe. Not filming Kobe, but I was always making videos of Kobe. So to have met Kobe and to have known Kobe a little bit, I was around him five or six times, talked to him a little bit, did not know him, know him, but he knew me by name. Uh, I will not take any credit of like him being a friend or not, but like just even have the opportunity to talk to him in those small moments, like, come on. Like you can't paint a better picture than that. That was my idol. So I'm very fortunate fortunate to even have met him, to even have talked to him. And he gave me my passion. And that's something that I had to evaluate this past year. You know, I, I, I slowly am starting to get that passion back because he was the one that gave me my passion. So it's kind of hard when the person that you looked up to your whole life is gone. So I mean, that is number one, Kobe. Um, I don't know if there's, if there's another moment that's going to top that. I mean, I've gone to All-Star Weekend. I, I've been surrounded by a lot of NBA players. You know, I've, I've seen LeBron. I, I've trained. I used to train Jonathan. Will. I, I, I even train NBA players. I'm even, I'm even a trainer. You saw me train last year, too. So um, I was training Jonathan Williams the third from Gonzaga. He was on the Lakers a little bit. So I got to see LeBron every once in a while. Um, that was cool. I mean, I was working J3 out at the Laker facility and then Rondo comes up behind me and like taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, can I throw some passes? I'm like, okay, yeah, you're freaking Rondo. Of course you can. <laughs> like, I mean, I have so many stories like that. You know, you, you've seen who would come in the gym. I mean, last year it would be like random NBA, other NBA players, but it's just the relationships, I think, that you saw last year too, that we were all close. You know, we were all so close. And uh, that's that's one of the things that's that's so important to me that I can't. It's invaluable. I can't really replace that. You know, I would take the relationships I have with all the Pierce Sweat fans and all the other moments. Kobe will probably overthrow that, but you know. But I think I hope that answers your question. No, it definitely did. I I think. Well, first of all, yes. Um, with the Kobe thing, I was grateful that you helped me come film when Kobe oh, did his right. book presentation. <laughs> He did his book presentation at, I forget what school it was. I think it was in West Philly. Yeah. Um, but let me, let me I, ask you something. Yeah. Did you feel like a certain chill? Like he's just yeah. different, right? He's different. He's literally, like, he was like an otherworldly, like when he was like going around saying hi to like his English teacher from high school and like going over yeah. to Downer, I was like, this guy's like normal, but he's like. He knows he's unworldly, right? Yeah. Like, but he's yeah. so, he was so humble about it. And I, I so think humble. like it was crazy. I literally. You texted me like the day before you were like, yo, come film Kobe. I went into the attendance office of my school and I was like, I won't be here tomorrow. I'm going to film Kobe Bryant. They're like, okay. Well, I had to, I had to write you a little letter, right? To your I teacher. think so. Yeah. Something like that. It, it was crazy. I would say, Noah, I'll give you an opportunity to say one of your things. Cause I'm going to share one of mine. It's kind of like a, butt, but like me, pretty much I changed your life. <laughs> basically, basically, but no, I mean, being in the gym, so I was in the gym when Myers got, when you got that tweet, tweet oh, notification. got traded, yeah. That, that was, was the yeah. wildest, that was like the wildest thing. And I, I mean, I love Myers, like I loved being around him. I, I love Brady, his good buddy who I hang yeah. out with after, you know, Temple, love Men's, Temple Men's yeah. basketball games. But it's like, you know, Myers is in a workout and you go up to Drew with your phone, you're like, Drew, you should see this. And it's like a Woj bomb. Like, yeah. That was crazy. It, I even forgot about that. See, that was like the most surreal thing. Yeah. It was like, I was like, what am I? And that was like one of the, one of my first days out there. 
because it was right when the when yeah. free agency started i was like what just happened and like you yep. see it, everything becomes real someone's moving coast to coast like their whole livelihood is changing it was like Noah, do you have a moment that like completely changed you in sports oh lord uh plenty um i think mine was 2015 sitting down making edits uh in my in my room and uh I noticed, you know, the Steelers were about to play the Browns like they are this Sunday. And it's not really like a special game. Yeah. Usually the Steelers would, you know, trounce them. And so uh, I'm sitting upstairs and I make this, you know, never before seen kind of scene already, but it's called a double exposure graphic, right? Yeah. So you have the silhouette and you have something happening inside that silhouette. And uh, that silhouette was of, you know, call God AB. And, uh, AB was my favorite receiver on my favorite football team. So yeah. I, uh, I threw it up and uh, it was his celebration inside of him celebrating very, you know, reminiscent of what he would do every time he scored a touchdown, but uh, he or his account posted it directly before kickoff and was like, it's time to go. Let's go. Whatever. You know how they, you know, let's go Steeler nation or whatever they say. And, yeah. uh, and that was the moment I kind of like felt like, wow, you know, like this can impact not only, you know, people, but athletes. And so I sat there and actually ended up getting an internship with his folks and would make Antonio Brown graphics like every Sunday for what months on end. And uh, it was a dream. So that, that really made me feel like accepted um, and kind of wanted into the sports uh, hemisphere. And I just felt like uh, I was meant to do something with it, but yeah, I'll tell right, you. That's, that's awesome. Man. I, I need to see your work. So you do all graphics? Uh, yeah, kind of. I do every. I, I do everything. <laughs> okay, okay. I do like what's your, photos. What's your, what's your, wait, do you work at Bleacher? No, I do not okay. work at Bleacher Report. Uh, maybe one day. They offered me a job when I was like a freshman in high school. <laughs> and I was like, no, um, I have a math test tomorrow. <laughs> but uh no, I work just for Syracuse right now, and then I worked for ESPN over this past couple months, and then before right. that, Sports Illustrated. So, yeah, yeah, I do design and photo and video editing and motion graphics. I'm kind yeah. of like a jack of all trades, a Swiss Army you, knife. Let me ask you a question: What's the best route to learning motion graphics and After Effects? Ooh, this is a podcast conversation, I suppose. But hell yeah. Uh, but What's, what's the, the best, best route? What's the smartest route? Because when you go into that program, can I cuss in this or no? It's so fucking yes. confusing. What? <laughs> it is fucking confusing. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's the best route to attack that program? Um, I mean, you know Premiere, right? Yes, I do. It is so similar that it's not even like funny. Where it it can confuse you because there's a timeline like you have all the basic assets right you got a timeline you can scale things up and down you can position them differently <laughs> Bro, it is it is so but, far but then, more than premiere oh i use it for all video i use after effects for my video editing um, Bro, are you literally editing the video in after effects or you're oh working? hell yeah and then i can put motion graphics on it and stuff okay yeah um okay. but basically i would first the easiest possible thing is make something in Photoshop and then toss it into After Effects and play around with it. Right. Because now, when you that's put the Photoshop that's the files that's in... That's the combination, right? The route that people are taking, usually the Photoshop. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. it's pretty easy for like simple motion graphics. I can just like paste a player in and we have projects that I'm creating like 140 different combinations of the same motion graphic. Oh my God. so easy. Because yeah. all you have to do is press like a shortcut and you just like toss a player in or a new name and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's that. I'm, I'm going to hit you up. Okay. I'm going, to hit, you up. I'm going to hit you up. <laughs> I might have some work for you. Oh, lovely. Opportunity. <laughs> these conversations are for. Opportunity knocks, baby. Well, Sam, so as we finish this up, this has been an awesome 54 minutes. Um, yes, sir. I know you have some other Zoom calls to get on with your mentees. Mm -hmm. I have to go get some Chipotle. Noah has to go get some family dinner. So just a couple rapid fire questions. Um, Let's do it. Let's do it. Two Let's of them, 
they're not actually like super rapid, but like two of them I have in my head. Noah, you're going to come up with some as we go and we'll just go until we feel content and then we'll call it an episode. So my first question, any sport other than basketball, what athlete would you want to go be around, work with, dream of anywhere in the world, any team, any era, any? Okay. Okay. I'll give you two. Uh, I'll say Conor McGregor. Motivation is just unreal. I think he's the most, the confidence that, and, and I relate to his story a lot. So um, you know, he was a, a plumber welfare, you know, I was a janitor working as a janitor, not making anything. So I feel like me and him would internally understand each other, you know, um, I would say Tiger Woods, um, just what he has done is just amazing. And I respect golf so much. Um, I want to think about some other athletes from a basketball world. I, I, I have to say Damian Lillard because I'm, I'm a fan of him. He's just loyal to the core. Um, that's somebody that I, I have never, I haven't, I've only talked to him at all-star weekend once when he was behind me waiting in line. And that's the only conversation I've had. And I know I could say Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, all the other guys that I work with, but I, would, I just want to be respectful that there's other people in the NBA world, you know, that I would love to see a workout or, or meet, you know? Um, but yeah, I would say, those few people yeah uh i love learning how people grind and i know this is semi-rapid fire yeah this one's kind of really odd morning or night like when you're grinding are you like sitting down at night working all night because that's what i do or you could wake up early in the morning well it's funny because you say you wake up so early for these morning workouts it's like night 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 bro i'll be in the gym for nine hours and i'll go home and edit i'm good Sam Lowe, you know big, you know big night guy. Night. Huge night guy. I thought for sure I was gonna get like a Messi or like a Ronaldinho or like I mean I would I would say Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean okay. I, yeah, I would I would have said Ronaldo. Yeah. Okay. Best fast food place. <sighs> Come on, man. I'm gonna Your say favorite. truthful. Say truthful to the in and out. I don't know. No, care. no. <laughs> Hot take in and out's not good. I grew up with it. Okay, that's I fair. love it. That's fair. That's but fair. I can understand why people think it's that's overrated. Fair. You know, I, I understand. Like, I I get it. I you get see, it. you so, saw the lines and you saw the lines in Colorado, the eight hour line to get in and out. Like, would you wait eight, eight hours for in and out? No, come on. Okay. Right <laughs> yeah. No, do you have one more before I ask the trolley question? Um, you don't have to force one if you don't. Favorite like protein. <laughs> favorite favorite protein? source of protein. We got chicken. Filet mignon, baby. Oh, wow. There we the go. The filet mignon. $36. <laughs> okay, wait. So then my second to last one is favorite city outside of St. Louis or Los Angeles to spend time in, um, either with an ath- with a client or, you know, just whatever, working. Favorite city to spend time in. Oh, man, Miami probably. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. All right. And then the last one, what's your Chipotle order? Come on, man. I don't even go to that place. You guys are obsessed. I just get a burrito. What's on it? Just, you know me, I'm plain. Chicken, cheese, beans, rice, maybe some corn. I thought you were I thought you were gonna like come with like the That's Luke. That's the extra scoop. Yeah, but I thought you were on the Chipotle wave. Yeah. Damn. All right. Well, Sam, I, I want to thank you again for you know obviously fitting us in. Um, I'm really excited to see what your content creation course does. Obviously, um, you know, if I'm ever in the area, if Noah's ever, ever in the area, we look forward to, you know, spending some time creating some content. Banging some yeah, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I think I found the right person. I've been talking to the wrong person the whole time. Noah, I'm going to hit you up after. All right, I'm ahead. Let's out. grab a beer. <laughs> Let's grab a beer. Yeah, I'm kidding, Brian. All right. Well, boys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and yeah, this is the last episode for for 2020. So, thanks. The best to, episode. Best episode of 2020. <laughs> biased opinion for Sam, but you know, look, it's been an awesome. It's been not an awesome year, but it, it's been a year. Let's say yes. that. It's certainly been, been a year. year. So, Sam, I want to thank you again. Noah, thank you again, and um, happy New Year, fellas. And let's start the new year right, creating some dope content for all of our 
our followers to see. All righty. All right. All right. If you made it this far in the episode, I want to say thank you for listening to it. Um, another thank you to Sam for a last minute and an awesome interview to cap out 2020. Um, and thank you to everyone that's listened and supported the podcast all year. Um, obviously, as, as I said at the beginning, it was created as just a way to kind of cope with all the free time we had and you know build a network and learn from people around the industry. And I think we've done just that in one and a half seasons and i'm excited to keep this thing growing going you know uh things aren't still back to our quote normal yet um so there's still a lot of stories to be told around the industry how people's lives and livelihoods have changed uh due to the pandemic and we're just going to keep it going so once again i want to thank everyone for the support and we'll see you in the new year happy new year everybody